Oh, I need to be careful in these shorts. Mm. I wore these shorts like the other week. Mm. Um, and like... You wear those shorts a lot. Not that much. You wear those shorts a lot. Not that much. Well, I wore them the other you day. You just wear them exclusively when you see me. Nah, man. Well, like I wore them the other day for a podcast and then I was sat like this. Mm. And then like I looked back at it and it was just dick. The entire time was just dick. And today I'm commando. So mm. it's going to be even more dick. So Why I'm going to sit commando? like this. Why am I commando? Because yeah. um, I, what do you call it? Because I got routine in the gym. Mm. So like it's thingy-majig. It's gym. Mm. I wear the same boxes that I wore to work at the gym. Obs. Right. Obviously different clothes. Sure. I bring a spare pair of shorts mm. because I'm going to put the second pair on when I'm showered. But I don't bring a spare pair of boxes because that's just like a waste of boxes. Um, like I'm not going to I'm not going to put a fresh pair of boxes on depends. once I'm showered and then get home and then take them off and then put them on again tomorrow. Nah, well, yeah. No, that's what you do. So you Right, so you go to the gym. All right, you start your day. No, you go to you go to the gym. Yeah. You shower. Yeah. You put on new boxes. Yeah. You wear those boxes, you know, go to sleep, wake up, you know, don't change them. Also don't go for a shower cuz you had a shower like the night before. Then you go through the day, blah, 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 blah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm still wearing the same boxes that I wore after the shower in the gym the next day yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Nah, dude. Why not? What? Because I slept in them all night. Do you know how much you sweat during the night? I don't know how much you sweat during the night. That's what I'm like. I mean, like a human. Mm. I'm around with it. Cool, man. Anyway, let's talk. What's it called again? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I feel like you're going to say negative stuff and I'm actually nervous about it. Why would you think I would say negative stuff? I don't know, because we watched that scene and then you were like... Uh, I feel I like have a, you have a very poor impression. I have a me. critique about this one scene when I thought it was like one of the best scenes in the movie. I have a critique about that scene because it was one of the best scenes in the movie and it it had a single point of... Criticism. All right, cool. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to like... Do you want to like... Go from beginning to the end, or do you want to do just like a roundabout? This is my opinion, and I'm going to give you details. Well, I, I, I want to start. I because I just want you to tell me straight up. How did you feel about the film? How did you like it? Give me your like highlights. Okay. Or lowlights. Did you not like it? Perhaps I don't know. I loved it. Mm. I thought it was awesome. Mm. I tell you why I thought it was awesome. <clears throat> I thought it was awesome because so you see how like <clears throat> for like a Tarantino movie, right? Mm. I only realized in this movie that like, I don't ever call something, unless it's like a Steven Spielberg movie, but even then I don't call it, oh, did you go see that new Steven Spielberg movie? Right. But you definitely call it, oh, did you see that Tarantino movie? Yeah, I get what you mean. So, I mean, even in the marketing for this, it was Tarantino's ninth film. Yeah. Like, you know, Spielberg, I don't know how many films he's made. Who cares? Like, he's made a lot of films. But it's like, it's almost like, it doesn't really, it's like a Star Wars film almost. It's like episode nine. It's like, Tarantino's ninth film. It's like, nice. I've been waiting for this. Yeah, I didn't dude. even know what it was coming out. I didn't know what it was going to be. But now I know it's a thing. I'm going to see it because I love Tarantino films. Yeah, but I think They're it's as well. Of their own. Yeah, like this is the thing. I think I realized in this movie, because it had some real life context, mm. I think it was like, oh, these are why these are called Tarantino movies. Because I've finally realized during this movie, it's like Tarantino takes this concept that is real life mm. puts his imag imagination behind it and you're like i can't wait to see what he comes up with 
yeah. after you model your shit together. Mm. Whereas I don't think about other directors like that. I just think like, make the movie, dude. I think there are some directors. Who I think because he writes it as well. I think that yeah. makes a difference. So it's him. It's his child. Yeah, I think there are some directors who have you know obviously a very distinctive style, and you know you may choose say Wes Anderson. His films are not necessarily similar, but you can spot a Wes Anderson. Film I don't know what from, the fuck from, Wes Anderson is. Have you seen Isle of Dogs? Like Fantastic Mr. Fox? No. I've seen like seven minutes of Fantastic Mr. Fox. <sighs> They're all like shit Wallace and Gromit style movies. I mean, it's a choice. It, yeah, it's a yeah, so yeah, cause tight, yeah, I know it's intentional. Yeah. Um, have you seen, and I, you know, it's not a Wes Anderson film, but I say it's a very similar in style. Have you seen the film Columbus? Oh, dude, I watched the film Columbus like two days ago. Yeah. I'd say that's a very similar sort of cinematography to what is used to you know to see sort of long shots with these very um they almost look dull like you know when you've got you know the various shots in that town in columbus where mm. it like it looks a bit like a dull bleak but not it's not bleak it's just sort of very vanilla all yeah. of it looks very yeah. vanilla yeah um and wes anderson has a has a has a sort of has that sort of style and you you know his films aren't necessarily about the same things they're you know very often about very different things yeah but you can spot very wes anderson themes throughout his films now tarantino i would argue that his films are not only you know they're not they're similar they're very similarly shot mm. but they are and uh, you know obviously have very different storylines but they have very common themes gore 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 for sure you know yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're just waiting like dude when's this gore gonna come you know and uh, it's sort of at this point, you know, you you understand it's going to be gratuitous and you got it's going to be a little bit cartoonish, um, but it's something that has been so heavily associated with Tarantino that you kind of that's part of what you expect. I think I would be disappointed to see a film that did not have some level of violence in it. Oh, dude, for sure. So like, sweet. So you like the movie? You're supposed to tell me yours. Oh right, yeah, I like the movie, man. <clears throat> um, so yeah, obviously I got to see a rendition of what Tarantino likes to do with the concept. Mm. And I like how he put the twist on it. I like the gory bits. Um, Were you aware of the, the the history? The backstory? Yeah, yeah. before the film. Um, like not massively, but because I'd heard, before I saw the film, mm. I was hearing everyone's critique about how like Taran trust Tarantino to make like a, a very female-based horror story about two male heroes saving the day um which, yeah i mean i feel like i mean I'll, I'll get onto that later on i think but i think that is such a reductive point dude. about you know the film is about is about the charon tate in yeah a but way. it's not but it's 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 not it's the movie's not. about what the movie's about yeah the movie's about what tarantino decided the movie was about and it just happened to have a lady called Sharon Tate in there who mm. didn't get murdered. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, love the movie. Loved, okay, I'll tell you what I loved about it. Mm. Was the very much like relationship between Leo and his stuntman. Mm. It was almost Fight Club-esque mm. in that if someone turned around at the end of the movie and was like, oh, by the way, Brad Pitt's character wasn't real. He was like a figment of his imagination. You'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it almost feels like they are they've they've got a very pure friendship. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout the film, and it's and I think at any point in that film, you expected 
um, Brad Pitt's character, Cliff, you expected him to some, for some reason, resent, you know, being the stuntman, resent, uh, Rick Dalton. Um, and there's actually one bit where it almost, it almost teases it where you have that flashback scenario of him sort of ruminating about the fact that Rick Dalton wasn't willing to put him up for, to get stunt work. And then he has a, a flashback to when he, him and Bruce Lee had that fight. Awesome and, scene. you know, after that whole long sort of segue, you know, he sort of just goes, yeah, fair enough. Mm. Like, you know, you expect some sort of resentment. But there he goes, I get it. Like, you know. Yeah, man, for sure. And like, I also like the scene, like <clears throat> the, the purity of the scene where he's like, uh, like Rick Dolan's just like a child. Mm. And in the, throughout the whole thing, and you're kind of waiting for uh, Cliff. Mm. To just like very much like, oh, for fuck's sake. And like, I'm tired of like taking care of this kid. Um, and it's kind of pissing me off. Um, and that like, he is just like winning at life and doesn't even appreciate it. And I'm full of shit. And but I think- I'm his bitch. <clears throat> but, 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 but like, then you have the scene where he's like, oh, do you want to come in and watch? like my FBI episode. And he was like, dude, I just assumed that was what we were doing. Mm. And I was just like, ah, <laughs> friends. I, yeah. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that Cliff as a character, he obviously understands that Rick Dalton isn't super successful. Not as much as he'd like to be. True. Doesn't have the friends that you would expect. True. And you know, is very insecure. So I think, you know, the fact of the matter is that they are Cliff because Cliff understands his, the various flaws of Rick Dalton. Can he you like twist that him. arm closer to you? The whole arm? The whole arm? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he doesn't, because he understands how flawed Rick Dalton is as a character, he doesn't resent him because he, you know, he understands that he doesn't have all the things that he would want. True. That's true. And the thing is like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And yeah, like you said about the whole kind of flashback scene, is like he understands why he's kind of in the shit pit that he is, yeah. and he also kind of understands that he's a stunt man, hmm. and that means nothing to anyone ever. Well, he understands he's a stunt man, but he also doesn't ever actually aspire to more than that. He, at some point in the film, uh, you know, very early on in the film, he even says because he, he's he's quite clearly happy with handiwork. You know, he even says, you know, I don't mind driving you around. I quite like driving you around. Like, you know. He's not, he's not, he never, he doesn't want to be an actor. He doesn't want to be famous. He doesn't want, you know, anything. He just wants to be Rick's friend. You know, he just wants steady employment. Yeah, dude, to yeah. be fair, he doesn't ever actually show any real passion towards being a stuntman. He just happens to be a stuntman. Yeah. And if he has to not be a stuntman and be a handyman, then he's like, yeah, that's cool too. Hmm. As long as I can go, as long as I can like afford like packet mac and cheese to eat and enough dog food to feed my fucking beast of a dog hmm. like i'm chill dude yeah, man. and then he kind of looks at like the real aspects of his life and you can just tell he's just like dude my life's fucking sick yeah and i was actually talking this actually like talking about this to like my friend the other day like i was talking about like in order to like happiness and like in order to be truly happy you can like if you're not like if you're if you're never going to be rich mm. or if you never like if you're never ever going to be like financially sound yeah the only way to be truly happy is to like really accept not like just like oh fine i'm never gonna be rich mm. but like actually truly accept like oh dude i'm never gonna be rich yeah. and you're like nice like this is chill so when he actually he looks you can tell he looks at like the nice sides mm. of his from 
an outside perspective shit life mm. where he's like dude i get to drive a sick car all day he's like my i'm best friends with like a movie star i see cool people all the time yeah. like he flies me out to fucking italy just cuz mm. and it's just like i do boring stuff all day i'm not stuck in an office i go home chill and the next days you never know man i'm picking up sweet hitchhikers um in this awesome car and i'm just i'm just i'm just jiving man yeah and you know i think this film shows both characters throughout as being you know having very few ulterior motives they're both pretty much on the surface good guys uh you know they both in their own ways will have flaws but they're not in any way you know this unlikable characters dude and they're super likable characters and they're kind of polar opposites in a way as well Mm -hmm. even though they're like best friends and in in that what we just said about cliff kind of being extremely content about his like really run-of-the-mill life Mm. you've got like rick dalton who is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum who detests his life and is even resentful of the jobs that he gets Mm. and like he's resentful of the jobs he he, that he gets he's resentful of the job that he doesn't get and is like he wants so much more from his life but he doesn't realize that he literally has everything and he's just like he didn't give a fuck about the job that, like that cowboy job that he yeah. had but like, he didn't give a fuck about it when he had it mm. and then he's pissed that he d- doesn't have it yeah and it's just like he hates everything yeah i guess but you know i think he's sort of reached that point in his life where he he feels like he should have been able to do more yeah because i think part of the point of this film is to show that he is actually a talented actor he oh dude a- yeah, 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 yeah yeah he has actually got much more range than the characters that he's portrayed and he hasn't hasn't ha- ever had the opportunity to show that um you know there is there is obviously the part of the film where he you know he even he himself sort of has been pigeonholed and he doesn't feel like you know he should be playing that villain he doesn't like that they're hiding his face or, yeah, yeah, yeah and you know he's not being portrayed in the in the, the way he's always he's usually been because he's been stuck in that same role so that same mindset for so long but in actuality he does have the range to do to do more so part of his frustrations it's not it's not that he's you know just some some actor who who feels like he should do more but doesn't actually have a lot he does have more to contribute but he does he's never had the opportunity to do so and he's sort of you know very fearful that he might not ever get the opportunity to do so nice man nice so what i don't think you actually talked about your favorite bit yet my favorite bit i mean you've not yeah go with your highlights highlights right sweet so highlights were like little nuances like what i said when he said are you going to come and watch my fbi and he's like dude Mm. i just assumed that's what we were doing like but you enjoy bromance i fucking love bromance Mm. like dude pure friendship is hard to find man Mm. and it's just like two dudes that really enjoy each other's company i'm just like dude fucking jealous yeah um and what else what else did i love so favorite bits were that bit the scene that we spoke about already. Mm. Mm, I don't know if you want, to, do you want me to talk about it later. Yeah, or do you no, want me... go into it. That's okay, fine. cool. So um, the scene where... But my criticism of that scene is probably not what you're expecting it to be. but it, And it's not even a big thing. Okay, cool. So love the scene where he's doing his thing. 
forgets the lines mm. and he's getting outrageously stressed because you can literally see that he thinks his career is slipping away mm. in front of his own hands about the job that he really didn't even want to do. He's doing it and he's actually like, fuck, I'm doing a shit job of this. I'm doing a shit job of this shit job. Mm. I, des- I don't even deserve to get this shit job that I didn't even want. Yeah. Like I'm the fucking shittest actor. And then he has a mental breakdown in his trailer, mm. ruins his shit, says this is due to the drinking it's due to, uh, uh, this is completely down to drinking mm. I'm never fucking drinking again and then he immediately out of habit takes a sip out of his flask and then he spits it out <laughs> <laughs> he fucking spits it out mm. he's just like no, 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 fuck and then he like throws the flask out and he's just like fuck like you can mm. tell if he had a gun he'd just shoot himself in the head yeah right. um, but then he's like completely and utterly nails it after that yeah and he does and you know i think it showed a lot about his character it showed that he is you know a like i said before he can do more but he really takes acting seriously he is not lazy and you get those scenes earlier on where he is practicing his lines and he says specifically in that scene it's like you know you practice it you practice it and now they think you didn't yeah they think i didn't put in the work and i did yeah he's like outrageously paranoid yeah and you know he's he's upset because he feels like he's embarrassed himself and you know that is a fantastic scene. You know, great. One of probably the best scene of the film. Yeah, it's amazing. My criticism of that scene is, is purely camera work. Purely camera work. And this is why. There is a point in that scene for, you know, for a little while that he's sort of shouting at himself in the mirror. However. Oh, I know what yeah. you're going to say. He's looking at the mirror from this angle, mm. but the camera's catching it from this yeah. angle. So from a cinematographer point of view, they obviously decided that they wanted you to be able to see his face. However, all that highlighted to me was the fact that he's obviously not looking at himself in the mirror. He's looking at the camera. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I thought, I was like... Mm, I remember that scene. Yeah. And I was like, this is distracting. Because <laughs> I can, you know, you can sort of put yourself in that perspective. It's like, I know he's just shouting into the distance, like, you know, at nothing. Because I can see his face, which means he can't see his face. Yeah, so, that's true. So that I found for me personally, and it's not, it's probably not something a lot of people thought a lot about, but as soon as I noticed it, it was distracting for me because I couldn't unsee it because, it, you know, it's like, oh, he's just doing that. And then maybe it distracted me from the rest of the scene. So, but do you never, do you ever, this is obviously pretty far-fetched. Do you not think it might be like a Tarantino double bluff where it's like a understated fourth wall effect and it's like, like you said earlier, made reference to the fact that his movies are quite cartoonish. Mm. We're watching Leonardo act at being an actor and that it's blatantly obvious that he, with the angle that we're looking at doesn't make sense. It's possible. Unlikely. I mean, (laughs) you know, I feel like you can make excuses for it for sure. You could say, uh, well, I mean that I, I knew about it. When I watched it, and that idea didn't come into my head until just now. So I'm assuming that probably wasn't the case, because I just made that up on the spot. You never know. For me, I found it personally distracting. Okay, but, fair enough. You know, but otherwise the scene was great. I think the scene before that, on its own, was fantastic. Um, with him forgetting his lines, and, you know, just the, the shots in general. Because also, it did that, that particular scene did something that doesn't happen a lot in films, is it made you aware of cinematography as a concept because that scene had you know which was what was being shot was you know a movie set a film set a tv set um and it, it really you know they played the scene out he's acting the scene they did the camera rotation and then they addressed 
Like, oh, okay, rotate the camera back. And then when they do the scene again, you know, you think, oh, like, yeah. this scene is something that I yeah, noticed was dude. going on. Yeah, dude. But he addressed that and you think, wow. Dude, like, that was fucking sick. Yeah, it was, it really sort of brought her, and you know, it made the whole scene a lot more because you could appreciate the, the camera work that goes into it. The, the the focus on the you know from character to character we're moving the camera around because yeah there's man a new, there's a new level of focus well that's true because on all of the other sets that he does they don't make any reference to <clears throat> whether we're looking through we're looking at a set mm. because you can see other cameras yeah so we don't know if what camera we're looking through are we looking through Tarantino's camera mm. or are we looking through Jeff from Camera Two's yeah. camera on the actual set so when they do that like back step yeah I was just like Ah, fuck. Yeah, and in and in general, you know, it 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 really does highlight the fact that I think if 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 anything, one of the main features of Tarantino's films is the cinematography, um, because it is it is something that throughout you know all of his films, the cinematography is fantastic. It goes all the way back to when you have say Kill Bill, where you have certain shots that are unachievable. Unless you actively, you know, if you if you really think about some of the shots, you know, they'll uh, go forward, they'll go back, and then he goes up to somewhere where you just recently saw there was a roof, which means during the shot the roof was removed. Then the camera can go yeah, up yeah, and yeah, look yeah. over everything else. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. all throughout all Tarantino films, you have these sorts of intricate shots where if you just want to appreciate cinematography, you think, "Wow, that was fantastic!" And that was just you know, a little Easter egg of its own into the small, small intricate photography details that make up some of his films. So personally, and you haven't asked me yet, I did obviously love the film. Yeah. Okay. I did obviously love the film. Um, I don't have a lot of criticisms about it, to be honest. However, I know, and I don't know if, how, how well, you know, it's received. I know quite a few people who didn't like it at all. I know, I know of, I haven't really spoken to that many people about it. Mm. I know one person who didn't know anything about it. Mm. I, my fear about the film is that it's too Tarantino. Mm. In that, that if you aren't watching it because it's a Tarantino movie, that it's very easy not to enjoy. Okay. So in that, I spoke to Lewis about it mm. and he was like, it's very much like, what the fuck? If you say, Lewis didn't know anything about the Sharon Tate murders. Okay. Yeah. And he doesn't know anything about Quentin Tarantino movies. Mm. So from his perspective, it's very much like, what the fuck is this film about? Right. For one, when is it going to end? Because I don't know. There's no kind of obvious. There's this no is golden the, snitch. Yeah. This yeah. is the middle. What's the objective? This is the end. This is where we're there. It doesn't mm. lead to anywhere yeah. whereas because i knew about the murders and i knew the film was about the murders i mm. knew it was leading there mm. but if i didn't know that i also would be thinking what the fuck is going and i would still enjoy it because i'm enjoying the cinematography for one mm. i'm enjoying the acting and i'm enjoying just like what's going on in each scene i can enjoy scenes individually mm. from a tarantino movie because i enjoy those kind of movies and i like you said i look for the easter eggs i look for the little subtle nuances i like the bromances i like the emotional kind of impact of each individual scene. And I don't have to always tie it up until I don't always have to tie up the film mm. until it's done. And then once it's done, I can tie it up. Whereas the average movie watcher 
might be like, what the fuck is this film? Like literally, what is it? Mm. What is it about? Because it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You assume it's about something. But up until 97% of the movie, it's not about anything. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, I don't think that it's not about anything. In the same way, I don't think Pulp Fiction is not about anything. Um, you know, Columbus, the film we're talking about earlier. What actually okay. happens in that film? True, that film's about nothing. But is it a good film? Absolutely, it's a good film. You know? Yeah, I, but I like it. Mm. It's a good film. I like it. But I don't know if many other people that I know... I don't know that any many people that I know who are average movie watchers would like Columbus. In fact, I'm pretty certain a lot of people that I know that are average movie watchers wouldn't like Columbus mm. because it's about fuck all. Right, but then I suppose it is to the broad question of what, a, what, what makes a film good? Why are films good? Because... I, I went really? into watching um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was, fortunately, so obviously me and Lauren, we, the other day, maybe three weeks ago, watched The Hateful Eight. Um, it was her first time watching it. And then two days before watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we watched Inglorious Bastards. So I'm already in the Tarantino frame of mind. Mm -hmm. I know what to expect and I know what not to expect. I mm -hmm. know the sort of things, you know, linear storytelling, um, you know, there will be occasionally shots or scenes or something that don't really go anywhere. Maybe they develop a character, but they are they sort of ignore very classic storytelling tropes. Okay. They are just scenes for the sake of scenes, sometimes for the sake of acting, sometimes for the sake of a shot, sometimes for the sake of letting you know more about the character, but about the character that's not especially relevant. But, you know, that's, that's sort of point. what Tarantino does. Now, all of these films, in some way, they subvert very traditional storytelling narratives. And to some extent, those films are good because of that, mm -hmm. because they are unexpected. In the same way that a, a plot twist can sometimes be good because it's unexpected. It's like, wow, that makes a, for a good story. In some of the ways that Tarantino makes his films, non-linear, the story you know, it doesn't follow the first, second, third act you know, progression. Is it good because it is surprising? Is it bad because it doesn't follow traditional storytelling? Mm, fair enough. What I find is with most people, they will, you know, decide, I know, you know, what Tarantino films are about. And we can watch a Tarantino film and go, wow, that was a really good Tarantino film. But if we watch that film on its own, would we like it? Well, but I also, to almost rebuttal, but also agree... In other Tarantino movies that do that same thing, mm. he purposely puts you in a position that you can digest that. So for one, Pulp Fiction is about nothing, but he makes that obvious that it's about nothing because we have a million different sub-characters with a million different stories. So once we've moved to Bruce Willis, mm. we've never seen Bruce Willis before. So we accept the fact that it might not have anything to do with anything else that's happened so far. Right. Um... And that happens when we see Samuel Jackson with, uh, what's his, um, John Travolta. Jesus, John Travolta. And then we've got John Travolta with Uma Thurman that we've never seen Uma Thurman before. Mm. So we can digest the fact that this film's probably not going anywhere. And if it does go anywhere, it won't get tied up to the very end because we've got all these other people to digest. So we can actually get ourselves mentally in a position to focus on character development, focus on the kind of sub stories. So mm. that's Pulp Fiction. 
hateful eight, <clears throat> they put us in a position in that even if it isn't linear and even if it is um, character development for the sake of character development, even though it doesn't relate to the linear story, we also know that everyone's locked in a cabin and they almost give us the re like at the beginning of hateful eight, even though there's loads of shit that happens in hateful eight and mini stories and kind of tangents and everything like that that doesn't relate to the actual story. They've set us off with the premise. There's a murder in here. We need to find out who it is. Mm. So even though all the other stuff is happening, we can enjoy that because we actually know what the film's about. So for the average non Tarantino fan, for one Pulp Fiction, we can digest it easier. For two, Hateful Eight, we know what the film's about because they've already told us what the film's about. So we can accept the fact that loads of other bogus shit goes along. Mm. And it doesn't matter if I don't like that other shit because I know what the film's about. All right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does neither of those things. Do you think that film, that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is about nothing? No. I don't think it's about nothing. But... I think that it doesn't directly tell you what it's a. It might be about nothing. Well, I, I, it might. It's a, it it's is, about nothing. There, I mean, because I, 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 I don't even agree necessarily that it it completely, you know, ignores traditional storytelling. It presents you with the character uh, in the very first scene, Rick Dalton, who's given a an opportunity to be in a film that he doesn't necessarily want it establishes very early on that he's not satisfied with his career and wants to do more it also establishes that he lives next door to roman polanski and you know that and he wants to be in a roman polanski movie yeah cool uh, and then throughout the film it shows that rick dalton and you know cliff by extension are genuine guys who you know particularly in rick's case has the ability to do a lot more and you know clearly is a victim of just being pigeonholed you know he's not not achieving because he can't do more he's not achieving because he's been pigeonholed into these characters you know these western uh, sort of sheriff whatever characters and ultimately he's not going to get out of that so he embraces that in the end, because he sort of accepts his lot in life, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is the sort of guy I am. He displays that he has real acting talent, but is probably not going to get any further. And then finally, the film establishes, you know, just through sheer luck, maybe, and through a bit of a uh, bit of savvy, bit of, you know, defending him and his wife, you know, through a complete opportunity. He then ends up interacting with Sharon Tate. And the suggestion being to go on that he becomes friends with Sharon and is potentially going to advance his career later on. So the film... Okay, you know what? You've actually changed my mind. From that actually standpoint, you've actually changed my mind. I think the reason I said the film was about nothing was because it, it's somewhat based around the Sharon Tate murder. Mm. So that in my mind, it almost makes everything about the relationship between Rick and Cliff and his career aspirations and lack of on Cliff's part and all of these things irrelevant because in my mind, that's technically what the not is I've fallen into the trap in saying that, yeah, that's not what the movie is about because the movie is about this, even though no, technically the movie is actually not about that, but that is the only kind of 
real thing that's actually happened. Hmm. So it's hard to not think that that's what the movie's about. And that is also the climax of the movie. Yeah, but the movie's the movie is very little to do with the Sharon Tate murders and it establishes who Sharon Tate is as a character. And it and it does so in such a way in the in a very similar vein to Inglorious Bastards. It it builds an association with Sharon Tate. It wants you to have some investment in her because as everyone who knows anything about Sharon Tate murder, you know, you're building up investment to suddenly take it away. And that's when it finally subverts that and does the same thing that Inglorious Bastard does and just does an alternative version of history where in fact that did not happen. And, you know, Mm. it goes on a completely different course of events just to, you know, surprise the audience. And it's like quite, you know, it's fairly entertaining. It's like, oh, okay, fair deals. You know, it's quite novel. But it does have a very, you know, a very obvious storyline. And it is the progression of Rick Dalton from being somewhat of a has-been to being someone who has the opportunity now to make a real difference in, you know, in Hollywood and to be a big player. And that's because, A, it shows that he deserves it because he is actually a good actor. He's actually a good person. And he just finally gets an opportunity from out of nowhere, you know, from the already established Chekhov's gone of, he lives next door to Roman Polanski. You know, he just needs an opportunity. And saving Sharon Tate's life, that's the opportunity. Fair play, man. Good synopsis of the movie. Didn't think about it that way. Um, question. Did... Uh, I'm, I'm going to follow it up with my own interpretations of why he did this. Mm. But did Tarantino need to cast Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate? Um, what, what are your reservations about him casting Margot Robbie? It's not that I have reservations about casting Margot Robbie. Mm. It's more about the fact that... Uh, I don't have... I don't. This is the thing, right? I don't know why I'm asking this question. Mm. But basically the way, like the facts are the facts and it's almost just because of who she is. And I guess from an artistic standpoint, it doesn't matter who you are Mm. from the fact of who she is. It's almost a disservice to someone of her caliber to put her in such a role that didn't need to be played by her. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you saying that Margot Robbie as an actress was wasted in a character who didn't have a lot in the film or not necessarily as an, that's the thing, actually, I'm not even saying she was wasted as an actress. Mm. I'm more saying she was wasted as a, uh, as a star, as a celebrity. celebrity. Mm. She was wasted as a celebrity because she sells tickets Mm. But she sold, and she sold tickets for this movie mm. for the non-artistic fans. But she was, we didn't need her sure. to do that role. She did nothing in the movie, basically. And what what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, it was almost an intentional waste of celebrity to get her to play that role. We didn't need her. And in my mind, I kind of, just to follow up... Mm. I kind of thought he intentionally, because Sharon Tate is a celebrity, mm. he maybe almost used an actual celebrity to represent the fact that she is a celebrity sure. in, in that universe. 
I in that universe, she's I a celebrity. I think Margot Robbie has that natural stardom of, you know, we need someone who is a celebrity. It's like, Margot Robbie is a celebrity. Everyone knows who Margot Robbie is, you know. Who could portray, some, you know, an up-and-coming star better than... An, an up-and-coming star? star? That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, and I guess, in that respect, he nailed it. And but I guess he doesn't... like her role wasn't big enough for the film. Uh, I, I, I guess I so and I guess it's just like a. I guess I don't know I guess it's just like more like I, I, I'm just thinking like stupid thoughts in that like it's a waste of budget mm. you could have saved yourself millions of, by just getting someone else and just with a little bit of more oomph yeah. we could have got like a much not lesser actress because her talent is her talent and I'm mm. sure there's plenty of people that have her talent so I'm not even talking from a talent standpoint but from a financial standpoint and a celebrity standpoint and benefit versus benefit to the movie mm. is just like, I don't, I understand where you're going with it, but was it necessary? But I guess Quentin Tarantino's standpoint is what's necessary. Isn't what's necessary. And it's also not, um, the first time he's done it, uh, to take you back to the hateful eight, Who's um, Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum, yeah, good point, man. He had a very small role in Dude. that film. Dude, you know, to be fair, Channing Tatum, I don't think was a big. He wasn't on the title cards. He wasn't, you know, marketed to be a big part of the film. But they did have, you know, he did have Channing Tatum come into the film seventy-five percent of the way through it and More killed him off eighty-two percent of the way through it. You yeah, know, Channing Tatum was in that film for a very short period of time, kind of near the end, did that character need to be Channing Tatum? Absolutely fucking not. It could have been anyone. That literally could have been end. That could have been me. Could have been you. I could have played Channing Tatum's role in Hateful Eight. Yeah. Good point. Definitely didn't need to be Channing Tatum. But, but, the difference with that is, you can believe that Channing Tatum took that role because he wanted to be in a Tarantino movie. Yeah. You can convince yourself that Channing Tatum asked to do a Tarantino movie and was willing to take that role. Mm. For this one, you can you obviously know that wasn't the case. But I don't I, I don't even necessarily think that Margot Robbie had a small role in the film. Or... Well, that's a lot. That's the argument for a lot of people, and that's her own argument as well. But because not only, not even I think because. Even take into account the fact that in terms of, not even in terms of screen time, but screen time alone, there was plenty of scenes with Margot Robbie as the only real character, you know, with everything going on. You had this sort of star power of um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt sharing screen time constantly. Margot Robbie is the only one that really had her own storyline completely separate. You but know, you dialogue this- though dialogue she had like six lines in the entire film i mean you know is dialogue necessarily is like yeah you can quantify it and say maybe she didn't have as much but once again the film wasn't really about her you True. Ne- you needed to have establishing shots because like i said before i think what tarantino likes to do and what he wants to do in this scenario similar to inglorious bastards was to build an association with this character with the expectation of the audience well i know what happened to sharon tate and he's showing me Sharon Tate so that when he takes her away from us, you know, it's going to be that much harder. And he's building this, you know, association with who she is before she gets murdered, only to then subvert that. And I'll tell you why I asked. So what you're saying right now is actually reminding me why I asked this, 
why I asked the question in the first place mm. is that it was very obvious that that's the intention that he's trying to do. Mm. But he actually, in my opinion, didn't do a very good job, job of that. He didn't, of building up who Sharon Tate is so you can take us away. Mm. So that we're actually like, whoa, he didn't even take her away. I don't think he did a very fantastic job of building her up because of the lack of dialogue. Mm. We don't know who, we don't have an opinion of her because she doesn't speak. Um, we're just going off the fact that she's Margot Robbie. If she wasn't Margot Robbie, then we would have been like, what was the point in her even being in the movie? I think you get a good impression of her. I think you definitely get the impression... I said before that she's an up and coming star only because of the uh, the cinema scene where cinema scene was decent. You kind of get like a cutesy vibe. You from get a her cutesy in. vibe, and you also you understand that she is about to make be famous. You mm. know, she she gets to the to, to ticket booth, and the woman doesn't know who she is. But as soon as she says who she is, you know, stand by the poster. It's like, oh, of course, that's who you are. And you know, and she goes to this film to watch it just to sort of be a part of. You know, everyone's having a good time. Everyone's seeing her character. Everyone's laughing at her character. And she's like, she's happy. She's grateful to be, you know, be a part of that. And, you know, like I said, she, they're, they're really building her up to be, you know, quite a lovable character. Despite the fact that she doesn't have a, a lot of screen time, you have some association with her. So even, even by the end, even by, you know, by the time that Leo has met her, you know that she is a genuinely nice person. Mm. You know that you know that she you want you know you want the best for her, and you also expect that her friendship with Leo is probably going to mean bigger things for him because she's such a nice person. Cool. Tell you about waste of celebrity. Mm. Didn't even think about it till just now. Mm. Al Pacino, dude, was that necessary? Al Pacino. As an, what did he do in that movie? Nothing. I mean, that didn't need to be Al Pacino. That could have been anyone. Al Pacino. I guess, yeah, but I mean, that's a critique. At this point, at this point, with Al Pacino, what has he done? To be fair, in the most past? people will never know who Al Pacino is. You know what was the real, like, the last big thing that Al Pacino? It's not like you know you've taken. Dwayne Johnson away from his busy schedule of starring in movies for a seven minute scene in a Tarantino film, you know, Al Pacino, you know, obviously had his day, but he's not exactly got a lot going on at the moment. I know, but I also feel like if you're going to throw Al Pacino a bone, throw Al Pacino a bone, you know, maybe he doesn't want the bone. Maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't want the bone. I I don't, I don't, I don't think Al Pacino at this point is enough to sell tickets. I don't think he's a leading man. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that like, I don't expect him to sell tickets. And like, he wasn't, I didn't even know he was in the movie. Mm. But what I'm saying is, is it's one of two things. Either it's in terms of the role he played. It's like, if Al Pacino asked to be in that movie, then it's like, you probably would have done better off just refusing to let him in the movie rather than given that role. It was just such a throwaway role mm. that it was almost just like legacy wise. It's just like you could have given him a better role. Like you could have created, I'm not saying you needed him to be in multiple scenes. I'm not saying you needed him. I'm just saying it's like he has the talent and he has the legacy that if you're going to give him a throwaway role, he could at least be that guy that people who don't know who Al Pacino is could at least be like, dude, who was that guy that did that thing? Like, 
Because mm. at least make him memorable in the movie if you're going to put Al Pacino as a throwaway role in the movie. I suppose, but I also think at this point, Tarantino himself is so big that he, he you know, he's not exactly begging people to be in his films. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if it was Al Pacino saying like, dude, I heard you're making this big movie. I'd love to be a part of it. Quentin Tarantino could at least be like, unless he fucking hates Al Pacino, he could at least been like, all right, dude, yeah, like I can draw something up for you mm. rather than just the random Italian producer guy who does nothing in the movie. And it's just like, that's a disservice to Al Pacino, in my opinion. That's a disservice to Al Pacino to give him that role. If you wrote, like if Al Pacino approached Quentin Tarantino and said, dude, how'd you make in this movie? I'm a fucking huge fan. Please, I'll like if you don't mind. I'm, I'm my schedule's open. I'd love to come on set. If you've got something you can write for me, that'd be fantastic. And he wrote that for me. I would have been like, I would rather you wrote me nothing. I mean, I I and think, just let me watch. Yeah, I think especially in this film, and because you know you can take it from the title "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood," it is very much a love letter to Hollywood itself. And you know you can expect to draw a draw a certain amount of star power from that. And you know, that being said, there's not, there's quite a few examples in that film alone of stars being in fairly small roles. You know, you have Al Pacino, you've got Kurt Russell as, uh, mm, you true. know, this, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe casting, I'm not sure, even sure what his character was doing, but he, once again, was not in it for very long. He had Dakota Fanning. She, you know, she's a very famous true. actress. She wasn't in it for very long. That's what I'm saying. Dakota Fanning had a more impactful role than Al Pacino, though. Yeah, sure. But, you know, even still, like, you know, her role in terms of screen time, real screen time, maybe about the same, you know. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, once again, still in it for... The fuck is that? I mean, Timmy Oliphant, uh, he was the, the the star of the, the cowboy show. That, oh, that guy. I like that yeah. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, know, you have various characters, you know, various actors, really, you know, high profile actors who are in this, in, in this film for not a lot of time. It is a, the film about Rick Dalton. It's a film about Hollywood itself. You know, it's not necessarily spending a lot of time on these actors. But I think, in the case of Margot Robbie, in the case of um, Al Pacino, yeah, you could have other people playing it. But if you want to write a film which is about Hollywood, maybe get some stars in. Yeah, but I also what the point I'm trying to make is in that is that I agree. Yeah, film about Hollywood. Use Hollywood. That's perfect. But only because, our, like, granted, Al Pacino isn't in loads of movies right now. Mm. But one, there was a time where he was the most famous actor on planet Earth. Mm. And partly because of his ability to act. Now, Dakota Fanning was a superstar at one point, And yes, she had barely any screen time. And, but the role that she played in like the two minutes that she was in the film was seriously impactful. There was tension around the scene. She, her talent brought something to that movie to the point where I'm thinking back, thinking, oh, dude, that Dakota Fanning scene, that was actually a very decent scene. Mm. I'm just saying, as a tribute to Al Pacino, who clearly doesn't have fucking all much going on in his life right now, if you're going to give him a character and use Hollywood, utilize Hollywood, it would be nice... For the Pacino fans, if you gave Pacino a role, even if it's for 60 seconds, that could have any kind of tension to the movie or at least let him flex his acting muscles a little bit that have been dormant for the last God knows how many years. I think this is a, a, a bit of an issue in that I feel like... You're like, oh, I found my bag. Do you ever have it? We're like, you need a piss. 
and then you're going for like the longest piss ever and then like um you like it's dying down and then um it just like, dude it literally goes uh, you're like uh, it's like and then random goes uh, mm. and it's like a full stream again how does that happen it's like it feels like your bladder is like multiple tanks yeah yeah yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. as soon as the first one gets down to the bottom it's like, uh, and then it like then the yeah, yeah just, it cracks over the next one yeah. it's like Fuck. It comes through full pressure again. You're like, Whoa. Yeah, man. Dude, I had one the other day at the gym and it was like the longest fucking piss of my life. And it's going mm. for ages. And then like, Lewis was like waiting for me, mm. like talking to me because like, it was like the changing rooms. Yeah. And I was just going and going. And he was just like, stop mid-sentence. He was like, are you still fucking pissing? And I was like, dude, <laughs> this is the longest piss of my life. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. He did that like three times. Um, okay, cool. So, Pacino, anything else you you want to talk about in particular? Hmm. Anyway, um, I've known quite a few people who didn't like. The oh film. yeah, that's what you said. Um, Why? And Joe is an example of someone who did not like the film. Oh and fuck! I knew you were going to yeah. get into this. Yeah, I know. Right? Um, and Joe is a very you know he's a lifelong fan of Tarantino. You know, he loves. All his films, you know, The Hateful Eight is a film that many people consider to be boring because not a lot happens. It all takes place in one scene. Joe loves The Hateful Eight. You know, I love The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight is intense, man. It's a great film. It's intense for ages. Now, Joe considers Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to be a boring film, a film that is not about a lot. Um, He didn't appreciate some of the scenes, such as uh, the implication that Cliff killed his wife. You know, he thought that scene was completely pointless because it was never referenced again. That scene, he thought it was completely pointless because it's never referenced again. Um, And, you know, there are various parts of the film that he just felt were, he didn't think that the whole storyline with the hippies was important at all. You know, he just all around didn't care for it. Now, I've spoken to a couple people on it, you know, get similar vibes. People think it's, you know, general vibe of it is it's boring. No, you can't put this down to people misunderstanding Tarantino. However, it does highlight the broader question of what is what is film, what is cinema, what makes it good? Because it is one of two things. It is either an art form, which is abstract and has to be appreciated by each person individually, or it is something that can be quantified, something that adheres to a criteria, can be marked against that criteria but it can't be both because mm-hmm. the film is entirely art and interpretive. And, you know, that's fine if people didn't like it. Other people do like it for, for, for different reasons. Or the, re- the things that make it good are the quality of the shots, you know, the, 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 how great the acting is, you know, how well the storyline is and how well the story itself sticks to a, you know, a formatted schema. Mm. you know what makes a film good because in many many of tarantino's cases he ignores traditional film formats and creates what is in the opinion of many people to be great films but polarizing films nonetheless yeah yeah, yeah. um for one before i get into my opinion on what makes a good film 
I just want to say that the hippies are important because the hippies are actually people that did the murders and if they weren't included in the movie then it wouldn't make much sense for them to yeah, come and do it. The, I, like I know, I'm just letting you know if you're going to give Joe's opinion and he's not here I'm going to have to just give my opinion on Joe's opinion. But... I mean, we can both agree that Joe's wrong, but... Yeah, okay, cool. Right, anyway, Joe's wrong. Um, so, I guess... What you know? What I'll tell you why I love Tarantino movies, and which also answers your question, mm. is that Tarantino is one of the few people who can make you believe that maybe good films are an individually accepted art form, and that he actually treats film as art, and that you you allow yourself. Tarantino is one of the few people who can allow you to enjoy a film for the sake of enjoying the film. Mm. And it doesn't matter. And like, even when I said earlier, like the film's about nothing, that even wasn't even a critique. That's just like, I really enjoyed the movie and there's so many parts that I can enjoy about it. And I like the fact that it doesn't follow a traditional format. I like the fact that you can digest every scene individually. I like the fact that it goes off the off the beaten track a load of times. I like the fact that it does bring in things that might intrigue me and then never comes back to it again. I like that. But then again, would I like that if I wasn't expecting that? Would I like it if it wasn't a Tarantino movie and it was just a Leonardo DiCaprio movie with Brad Pitt in it? And then I'd be like, dude, Leo and Brad Pitt, what the fuck? Mm. I'm watching it. And then I watched that, not knowing it's a Tarantino movie, would I like it as much? To take to take you know that to its extreme, and I know you haven't seen it, but it it, it comes to mind to me because I watched the Disaster Artist again the other day. Disaster Artist. Disa- Disaster Artist is a film which is about the making. Oh, I've of seen the Disaster the Artist. You've seen the. I've the, seen the Disaster. Didn't I tell you? Oh, uh, yeah, I watched the Disaster Artist. But you've not seen the Room. I ain't seen the Room. I ain't okay. watching that. One of the criticisms of the room, you know, of many criticisms, and one thing that's highlighted in the disaster artist is there are particular plot points in the room that are introduced and then never addressed. You know, one of the, the most famous example of that is one of the characters in one scene brings up the fact that she has breast cancer. At no point in that movie is it ever mentioned again. <laughs> never again is it mentioned. Cool. Um, um, is just as a context point. Uh, if anyone's actually listened to this thing, The Room is, even though I haven't seen it, The Room is just like, yeah, it's like categorically renowned as the worst movie of all time. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like, it's a cult classic now because it's so bad. And then The Disaster Artist is like James Franco's rendition of The oh, Room. It's the making of The Room. Yeah, The Making of The Room mm. um, by James Franco. And it's got a little bit more of a comedic effect, but it is like painfully accurate. Yeah. From what I saw from the outtakes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, continue. Right. So, and, you know, obviously that is a completely independent film. The director had no, nothing to go off of. No, you know, this is, oh, this is just classic Tommy Wiseau. So, you know, when he has these plot lines that come out of nowhere and go nowhere, people are like, what the fuck? Mm. What does that mean? So what is the difference when Cliff Booth has a flashback of him maybe killing his wife that is never addressed again? And you can sort of think, well, that's just a nice bit of interesting background character. It, it makes you so it leads you to this mystery. What is Cliff like? What is his character? Who knows? But it doesn't act for Gonier. It's never addressed. Was it a necessary scene? Maybe not. You know, I can choose to like that scene, and I do like that scene, and I like 
having that bit of mystery around Cliff. But why is that different from a character introduced to the fact that she has breast cancer and then it never being mentioned again? Yeah, it's not different, man. It's artistic license is what it is. It's the fact that I hate M. Night Shyamalan. And if M. Night Shyamalan did that to me, I call him every name under the sun. Mm. It's because in Tarantino, I respect him so much. And I know, I guess... I feel like with M. Night Shyamalan, you can reliably expect that it will come up in a sequel 15 years later. Yeah, true. Um, I think, you know what it is? I think it's the same as... But I think I also think it's the same as all artists. All artists have a kind of method behind their madness. And if you can't get comfortable with that... So like Picasso, for example, if Picasso... I don't know shit at all about Picasso. Well, neither do I, but Picasso... Wait, Picasso's the one that did that, like, firework one, right? Or The Scream. Scream. It was painted by Edward Munch. Who did the firework one? Firework? Edward Munch. Right, let me just Google a Picasso painting, for fuck's sake. Ugh. Um, if you type in firework, Picasso doesn't come up with anything. Pablo Picasso paintings. Please. Oh, no. All right, Picasso's a terrible example. Um, Right, fuck. Who's like a really good artist? Like a Monet? Monet. You know, like a Monet? Van Gogh. Van Gogh? Hmm. Oh, maybe Van Gogh did the firework one. Hang on. Van Gogh painted. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hang on. Yeah, Vincent Van Gogh did the firework thing. Right, Right, cool. So. You're on about Starry Night. Huh? You're on about Starry Night. Yeah. Oh. It's not fireworks. It's stars. Yeah, stars? Yeah. I thought they were fireworks. Never mind. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so if you take a Van Gogh painting mm. and then Van Gogh randomly comes up and his next big masterpiece is just a fucking square mm. with like cum in the middle of it, mm. no one's going to appreciate that. But if you have an artist that always makes squares with cum in the middle of it and he's got his little cult following then they're going to be like, oh, it's brilliant. Like, you have to understand the method behind their madness. And if you can't understand it, then you can't appreciate it. But that assumes that Tarantino only has this, you know, because he's got such a back catalogue of great movies, you know, you only appreciate... I can appreciate a Tarantino movie because I, at this point, know who he is and I can appreciate them. But, you know, take it all the way back to Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is a, you know, is a... a a very early film which has a lot of the same stuff a lot of the same you know storytelling tropes you know you have scenes whereby um uma Thurman's character is talking about a tv show uh you know that she features in a f- completely irrelevant plot line you know mm. you've got all of these sort of you know characters that come in you know some of them are reintroduced um some things are just picked up and left you know you have non-linear storyline Pulp Fiction is a perfect example of a film that had anyone else done it, had it been told in a slightly different way, people, and you know, I think a lot of people do still regard Pulp Fiction as not a good film, but a lot of people do think it's a good film. IMDb fucking does, you know, it's like Mm. top 10. Yeah. But why is it good? I don't know, man. It's just good. It's just how it makes you feel, man. Because I, the reason I think Pulp I'll tell you the reason why I think Pulp Fiction is good, because I saw Pulp Fiction when I was like a kid and I thought it was good. And I didn't understand film. I just, I'm pretty sure dad just told me to watch Pulp Fiction. Mm. And I watched Pulp Fiction and I was like, man, that's a good movie. And like, that was the end of it. But I didn't need to understand 
cinematography. I didn't need to understand art. I didn't need to understand who Quentin Tarantino was. I didn't even know Quentin Tarantino directed that movie. I didn't even know who Quentin Tarantino was. I was just like, ah, oh, decent movie. Um, and it wouldn't matter if anyone else, at the time that I watched it, it wouldn't have mattered who made the movie because I liked the movie. I didn't know who Quentin Tarantino was. Mm. Um, whereas I also feel like Quentin Tarantino at this stage in his career is also playing off his own benefit in that he knows that he has more creative license to put his trademarks in a film and they'll be more well received in a way in a in a in a different kind of film does that Mm. make sense because like i said earlier like pulp fiction is the whole thing's throwaway sure so you can digest it better so he put in that early work so there's like this is how my mind works and this is the kind of film this is the kind of tendencies that i have in a film but I'm also going to put it in a film where the entire film revolves around these tendencies. So later on in in my career, when I make a film that is a lot more structured and just has these tendencies, people will understand that this is just my way and they'll accept it better and digest it better, which we did in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out when I was a kid, I might have been like, this film was fucking boring. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. No, I, I can see that he definitely almost exploits the fact that he is Tarantino. You yeah, know, you can see that in Django. You can see that in... Django's when, a good movie, though. Django's man. a great movie. But, you know, when he when Django shoots a woman from, you know, hit this angle, shoots her and she fucking flies that way, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you think, what the fuck was that? You just <laughs> yeah, go, ah, yeah. Tarantino. Yeah, you know? yeah. You just have to sort of take, you know, he, 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 he is, the violence is overly violent. The gore is overly gory. You know, some of it is cartoonish and doesn't make a lot of sense, especially in a film that might not have had a lot of that up until that point. Mm. You know, it might be the only example of violence in that film. And it's weird and it sort of takes you out of the immersion a bit. Mm. But then you're just going to ask Tarantino because that would be a criticism of any other film if it had this weird... Why the fuck did that one fly sideways? Yeah, overly gory and just like, well, this doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, then again, I also think, yeah, that's like another example. Like the gore is another example, which if you look at his earlier movies, like Pulp Fiction, for example, which he just exploits throughout the entirety of the movie, mm. that it does make it more acceptable that now I'm waiting for it, dude. When I was watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I was like, there's going to be gore in here somewhere mm. and I need to know when it happens. And when it did happen, I was just like, fuck yes, nice. yes. This is like something that I don't, I don't care about gore in any other movie, but because mm. I respect him so much as a director and I enjoy his movie so much, I'm waiting for it mm. because I will enjoy it because I almost feel like he enjoyed doing it yeah. because that's his thing. Um, and, you know, another thing is that he, Tarantino tends to use the same characters or the same actors. Quite he a loves lot. using the same actors. I was yeah. almost surprised Samuel Jackson wasn't in this movie. Um, no, it wasn't. Um, I think one thing I'd noticed that I'd never noticed before, I think it was, yeah, it was in Glorious Bastards that, in as Tarantino sometimes does, another trope of his, he will occasionally just have a narrator come in at some point in the film <laughs> and narrate yeah. a particular scene, and then is never to be heard of again. Samuel Jackson narrates in *Inglorious Bastards* just out of the blue. Right? Does he actually? Yeah, just just you know, has a few lines, narrates something that's going on, and you know, I think it's I think it's the background of Hugo Stiglitz. 
um, you know, just tells you all about this guy, you know, killed some Nazis and put in a German prison for it and then never to be seen again. And, Jesus. you know, that's a typical one. Uh, you know, he, you, he reuses the same, same characters. He's used Brad Pitt before. He's used Leo before, definitely. Um, a nice, probably not so obvious one in this one. It wasn't reusing the character, but um, Uma Thurman's daughter... Um, you know the hippies obviously the ones at the end who go to murder them um, the one who runs away who drives away at the end is that's Uma Thurman's daughter yeah oh fair play didn't know that yeah she's also from Stranger Things um, the one that works in the ice cream yeah I heard that yeah 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 I did know that yeah Um, Um, I think Kurt Russell's been used before Kurt Russell's in yeah Hateful Eight Um, yeah he reuses characters actors all the time and you know because he can like yeah. yeah he knows who he likes he knows who he likes working with and i have heard that he is a particularly difficult director to work with so i suppose you know it you makes need sense that he sticks to the ones that it works but then the again make it um also what i would say is it's like i think tim roth had some deleted scenes for this one as well oh for real yeah um in regards to what we were saying about like artistic tendencies mm. do you think you'd enjoy a kind of typically structured movie directed by Tarantino. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Inglourious Bastards is a typically structured movie. You know, it has an objective. It has an objective quite early on established. We're gonna ambush Django's a pretty normally structured movie as well. Yeah, I mean, he can do it. Oh, fair play, man. Yeah, never mind. Ignore me. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think if there's another uh, another director that has like artistic tendencies that I actually look forward to. I guess I don't really pay that much fucking attention to directors, to be fair. Hmm. I just know if they're good or not. There's no they're going good movies, man. I mean, yeah, I think there are some directors that have, you know, particular things that you expect from them. Not all of them are good. You know, you got Michael Bay and there's going to be explosions. Yeah. yeah, that's not really an artistic yeah. expression. It's you just got James Cameron. It's going to be expensive. Yeah, true. M. Night Shyamalan. There will be a twist, you know, or maybe it's just going to be fucking awful. So what's your opinion, man? What's film? What makes a good film? Hmm. I think to a lot of an extent, you have to accept that there is an, a certain, I hate using the phrase, je ne sais quoi with films, in that there is a structure to a lot of them. You know, you want to you wanna be able to follow it for sure. Mm. And like with anything there will be pricks there will be people you know i i uh, me and me and me and lauren we went to the sachi gallery maybe a few months ago probably longer maybe like the start of this year um and gallery sachi gallery what's that um it's a it's a gallery in london it has art in it it's a gallery just art gallery. oh okay cool um <clears throat> and uh we went there and, you know, it had certain exhibits on, you know, they change the exhibits all the time. So you never know what's really going to be on there. Maybe it's got something up for a month. So she'd been plenty of times before. Yeah. <clears throat> we went and I went around and I fucking hated it. It sounds shit. Pretty much like, not, not, not I hated the experience, you know, I was up for going, but I hated the exhibits that were there at the time because, you know, there was one thing in particular where it was like, his it's a flower pot. I think the painting was called like a flower pot in front of a wardrobe, you know. And I looked at it, and it looked like it had been painted by a child. Mm. You know, it looked, it just looked shit. Mm. It looked 
I can't even understand. You know, I could probably do better than that. And, you know, it, and I can understand with some, some, you know, some pieces of art, it's, you can have something that's quite minimalist, but you still think, oh, that's quite good. But I couldn't see the good in it. I could, I really, you know, I didn't, I wasn't trying to be a prick. I was really trying to see it and I couldn't see the good in it. I was like, there is nothing exceptional about this piece of art. If a child had done it, and, you know, if five minutes before now you took this down and put it, replaced it with something that a five-year-old child had done and said, this is the piece of art, I wouldn't know the difference because it looks fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they'll, and the fact that it's made it to this very famous gallery means that there's a lot of pricks down the line who've gone, fantastic, that's beautiful. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, It says so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was plenty of stuff there I fucking hated. didn't didn't care for. Mm. And... Um, and I, you know, I think the same is going to occur with films. Are we, are, the, are we, are we Tarantino bricks? Maybe. I think we are to an extent, but I think I think Tarantino can get away with it in a lot of respects. Yeah. Because maybe, 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 maybe you can have different different ideas of what is good about a film because you can appreciate different aspects of a film with a painting. You know, maybe you can appreciate the use of color. Mm. You know, you can appreciate the particular style of art that they've used, particular style of shading. Mm. And I don't know enough about art to appreciate those things. So if I just see a shit painting with a flower pot, I'll say it's shit. Mm. If I appreciated shading and color a bit more, maybe I wouldn't think it was so shit, but it was shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a film, you know, you have cinematography and you can say objectively, cinematography is fantastic, fantastic cinematography. Acting, fantastic acting, great acting. Mm. Story, um, you know. Yeah, true. You've got, a lot, I guess with films, you've got like a lot more elements in that what you can determine was what makes a good film. Mm. So like, yeah, if the story was a bit off, <clears throat> but the acting and the cinematography was great, you can be like, all right, cool, man. Two out of three, we did this good film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I tell you what doesn't make a shit film, mm. not necessarily what makes a good film, what doesn't make a shit film, which fucking pisses me off, when people don't like the ending, man. Mm. When it's like an awesome film. So cinematography was good. Yeah. Story was good. Acting was good. Like the shots were good. Mm. Like the color, the vibrance was good. The tension was good, man. The timing was good. The sounds were good. The surprise was good. The twists were good. And then at the end, it didn't happen the way like mm. you wanted it to happen. And you're like, oh, fuck. Okay. What a fucking awesome movie. And then like, oh, shit. I fucking hate that movie. And how can that happen at the end? Mm. You're like, yeah, but scrap the end. Yeah. What do you think of the movie? You're just like, oh shit. It's like, because the end was shit. Yeah, because the end was shit. Was just shit. because the end was shit. Yeah. So from 99 to 100%, that 1% was shit. Mm. It makes the whole movie shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 just very basic psychological principle of recency. You know, the last yeah. thing that you saw is the most impactful thing that you remember about a thing. You know, your last interaction with a person is going to be very impactful. You know, if you've had limited amounts of interaction with someone, you know, oh, fucking don't like that guy because last time he did this. Mm, I it's guess like, you're right. Maybe for the last 10 times, he's been all right. But if he did something prickish last time, maybe you don't like him so much. Yeah, that's and a pretty good show. I can understand why people are like that. Um, I disagree with that. I've, had, I've known people before that have not even bad endings, but sad endings. Mm. You know, endings where the character dies, you know, people have associated that with well, it was sad, therefore it was bad. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that doesn't make sense. No. It's like, it was upsetting, but it was good because it made you feel sad. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was a good film because you were invested in it enough 
that when that character died, you were upset about it. That's a good film. Nice, man. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a pretty good film. It's a good film. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I think sometimes with Tarantino films, they, they, can, they can be overly long. I'm very conscious of that now only because with Lauren, I made a specific point to watch it at one o'clock in the afternoon. Because, oh, dude, so yeah, she, we she watched it at sleep. two. Yeah. And I was like, thank fuck we watched it at two, man. Mm. Because if we watched it at like seven, mm. like I would have been, I would have been struggling. Mm. Um, so yeah, man, good movie. Tarantino is still a beast. Um, Atom was good. Shots were good. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with having critiques about a movie, though. It doesn't make it a bad movie. No. And I feel like this film had so much hype that like if there's a couple critiques, automatically it's a shit movie. Um, but yeah, man, I think it was dope. So yeah. yeah, I don't, you know, it's by no means my favorite Tarantino film. Um, oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's one I will watch another time. You know, when it comes out, sure, I'll watch it again. I'm not gonna put a, hang a poster in my wall, but yeah, it was a solid movie for sure. You know, enjoyed it. It was pretty much in a, in a lot of ways the movie I expected it to be. Yeah, same here, dude. Same here. See, man, let's wrap this bitch up. I think we've been going for a little while now, man. Mm. That was a pretty good podcast, man. It's fucking sick. <laughs>